0: Jai Radha Madhava Jaya Yeshodan and Yeshodan and Dana, Raja ne rangana <tries> yamuna teera chari yamuna Sadi Ga Bakta Sri Advaita Gadadhar Sri Vasadi Gaur Bhakta Vrindavan ¡Lá! 可是 Pad Jaya Jaya Prabhupad
1: Jayum Om Vishnapaad Paramahamsa Parivraja Kacharya Sosya Sashri Bhakti Vedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada ki Jai Om Vishnapaad Paramahamsa Parivraja Kacharya Sashri Bhakti Sashri Thakur Maharaj ki Namacharya Srila Haradas Thakur ki Jaini Taegaur Primanandi Om Namom Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namom Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 7, chapter 5, text number 12. Sāyadānu vratā puṁsāṁ Sāyadānu vratā puṁsāṁ Pashur buddhir vibhīyate Pashur buddhir vibhīyate Pashur buddhir Anya Anya esha tathanyo ham, itibheda gatasati. sati, itibheda gata sati, vratapum sam, pashu buddhir vibhidyate, anya esha tathanyo Itibheda-gata-sati gata sati saya Sāyadānu vratā puṁsāṁ Pashur buddhi vibhiyate Anya esha tathānyo haṁ Di buddha Ladies Sāyadānu vratā puṁsāṁ Pashur buddhir Buddha अन्ये be the हम Anya भेदागतासति सायदानो sam. Iti bidagata sati word for word, sah. That supreme personality of Godhead. Yada when Anuvrataha favorable or pleased. Pumsam of the conditioned souls. Pashu Buddhihi. The the animalistic conception of life. I am the Supreme and everyone is God. Vibhidyate is destroyed. Anya, another. Eshaha, this. Tatha, as well as as. Anyaha, another. Another. Aham, I. Iti, Thus, Bheda, distinction, Gata, Gata, having, Asti, which is disastrous. Translation, when the Supreme Personality of Godhead is pleased with the living entity because of his devotional service, one becomes a Pandita and does not make distinction between enemies, friends, and himself. Intelligently, he then thinks every one of us is an eternal servant of God and therefore we are not different from one another. PURPORT When Prahlad Maharaj's teachers and demoniac father asked him how his intelligence had been polluted, Pralad Maharaj said, as far as I am concerned, my intelligence has not been polluted. Rather." By the grace of my spiritual master and by the grace of my Lord Krishna, I have now learned that no one is my enemy and no one is my friend. We are all actually eternal servants of Krishna. But under the influence of external energy, we think that we are separately situated from the Supreme Personality of Godhead as friends and enemies of one another. This mistaken idea has now been corrected and therefore, unlike ordinary human beings, I no longer think that I am God and that others are my friends and enemies. Now I am rightly thinking that everyone is an eternal servant of God and that our duty is to serve the supreme master. For then we shall stand on the platform of oneness as servants. Demons think of everyone as a friend or enemy, but Vaishnavas say that since everyone is a servant of the Lord, everyone is on the same platform. Therefore, a Vaishnava treats living entities neither as friends nor as enemies, but instead <clears throat> tries to spread Krishna consciousness, teaching everyone that we are all one as servants of the supreme supreme Lord, but are uselessly wasting our valuable time by creating nations communities and other groups of friends and enemies everyone should come in the everyone should come to the platform of krishna consciousness and thus feel oneness as a servant of the lord although there are 8,400,000 species of life a vaishnava feels that one that oneness. The Isha Panishad advises, ekatvam anupashyataha. a devotee should see the Supreme Personality of Godhead to be situated in everyone's heart, and should also see every living entity as an eternal servant of the Lord. This vision is called ekatvam, oneness. Although there is a relationship of master and servant, both master and servant are one because of their spiritual identity. This is also ekatvam. Thus the concept of ekatvam for the Vaishnava is different from that of the Mayavadi. Hiranyakashipu asked Prahlad Maharaj how he had become antagonistic to his family. When a family member is killed by an enemy, all the members of the family would naturally be inimical to the murderer. But Hiranyakashipu saw that Prahlad had become friendly with the murderer. Therefore, he asked, who has created this kind of intelligence in you? Have you you developed this consciousness by yourself? Since you are a small boy, someone must have induced you to think this way. Prahlad Maharaj wanted to reply this reply that an attitude favourable towards Vishnu can develop only when the Lord is favourable. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is the friend of everyone. The Lord is never an enemy to any of the millions of living entities, but He is always a friend to everyone. This is true understanding. If one thinks that the Lord is an enemy, his intelligence is buddhi, the intelligence of an animal. He falsely thinks, I am different from my enemy, and my enemy is different from me. The enemy has done this, and therefore my duty is to kill him. This misconception is described in this verse as Beda sati, the actual Fact is that everyone is a servant of the Lord, as confirmed in Chaitanya Charitamrita by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Jeevira Swarupaya Krishnera Nityadas. As servants of the Lord, we are one, and there can be no question of enmity or friendship. If one actually understands that everyone of us is a servant of the Lord, where is the question of enemy or friend? Everyone should be friendly for the service of the Lord. Everyone should praise one another's service to the Lord and not be proud of his own service. This is the way of Vaishnava thinking, Vaikunta thinking. There may be rib- rivalries and apparent competition between servants in performing service, but in the Vaikunta planet, the service of another servant is appreciated, not condemned. This is Vaikunta competition. <clears throat> there is no question of enmity between servants. Everyone should be allowed to render service to the Lord to the best of his ability. And everyone should appreciate the service of others. Such are the activities of Vaikuntha. Since everyone is a servant, everyone is on the same platform and is allowed to serve the Lord according to His ability. As confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, 1515, Sarvasya ham sata matam mata smriti cha The Lord is situated in everybody's heart, giving dictation according to the attitude of the servant. However, the Lord gives different dictation to the non-devotees and devotees. The non-devotees challenge the authority of the Supreme Lord. And therefore, the Lord dictates in such a way that the non-devotees forget the Lord's service, life after life, and are punished by the laws of nature. But when a devotee very sincerely wants to render service to the Lord, the Lord dictates in a different way. As the Lord says in Bhagavad Gita 10.10, 10, to those who constantly devoted And worship me with love, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. Everyone is actually a servant, not an enemy or friend, and everyone is working under different directions from the Lord, who directs each living entity according to his mentality. Oma Gyan Timiran Dhasya, Gyanan Janashalakaya, Chakshuran Militamiena, Yena, Tasma Shri Gurbenamha, Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam, Sthapitam Yena, Bhutale, Swayam Rupa Kadamahyam, Dadati Swapadantikam, Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasadi Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Rama, Rama, Rama Hare 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 Krishna, Hare Krishna. So, <coughs> this is a long purport and Srila Prabhupada has mentioned quite a few philosophical points in this one. <clears throat> so Hiranyakashipu is the greatest demon of his times, right? And he, is, um, he also wants his son to be an outstanding demon like him. So he's making all the arrangements to ensure that his son also becomes a great demon like him. He organizes Shanda and Amarka to be the teachers of his son, who can teach him politics, who can teach him the demoniac ways of life. And Shanda and Amaraka are no ordinary teachers. They are the son of Shukracharya. Shukracharya is the main or the head priest of the demons. So his sons are engaged to train Prahlad Maharaj. And he's sent to the Gurukul. So when um, Hiranyakashipu asks him what did you learn there? Then what does Prahlad Maharaj say? Since he's a devotee from even before he was born, in his mother's womb, he learned devotional service to Lord Vishnu. So what does he say? In text five, he says, Now this is one of the most important verses in this section. It's a key memory verse. So, so Pralad Maharaj, he says, my dear father, O best of the Asuras, this is what I've learned from my spiritual master, that those who take shelter of this temporary body and this, temp- and this temporary householder life are embarrassed, are always embarrassed by the anxieties because of having fallen into the dark well where there is no water but only suffering. Therefore, one should give it up and go to the forest, vanam gato Hari harimashreta and there take shelter of Lord Hari. Go to yes, Prabhupada translates that for us we go to the forest of Vrindavan. So in this way when Mahaprabhu, sorry when Hiranyakashipu hears this, he is completely shocked because this is what he was not expecting from his son but because he had great affection for him, for his son he dismissed it as somebody may have polluted his son's mind right he says in the previous verses that um, maybe the enemy sent his the, the Vaishnavas or the devotees of of lord vishnu came in disguise and polluted his son's mind but then now to be more careful he instructs shanda and amarka in the previous few verses he says that you give full protection to my son from the devotees. So he wants to protect his son from the devotees so that they cannot pollute his son's mind anymore. So Shanda and Maraka are now very careful and they question him, where have you learned this from? Who told you this? Please tell us the truth. So these last few verses are um, Prahlad Maharaj replies to Shanda and Maraka of where he got this information from and what he knows. So in this verse Prahlad Maharaj says, When the Supreme Personality of Godhead is pleased with the living entity because of his devotional service, one becomes a pandita and does not make distinctions between enemies, friends, and himself. Intelligently, he then thinks, every one of us is an eternal servant of God, and therefore we are not different from one another. So, uh, in the last few verses, you probably heard that this word, enemy, has come many times. So, Ranekashipu is so demoniac that he sees not just other living entities as his enemies who get in the way of his personal intentions or goals, but he even sees Lord Vishnu as his enemy. So, extremely um, sinful mentality, and he wants his son to have the same mentality, but he gets a bit disturbed when he sees that it is not the case. So anyway, so Prahlad Maharaj is here mentioning that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is pleased. And how is pleased? Because of his devotional service. Right? One one becomes a Pandita. So, as Prabhupada mentions in this purport, how does one become a Pandita? As Prahlad Maharaj says, because of one's devotional service. And when we engage in devotional service, what does the Lord do? As the Lord mentions, Krishna mentions in Bhagavad Gita in 10.10, with Prabhupada has quoted in this text, in this purport, He says, "Tesham Satta Yukta nam Bhajatam Priti Purvakam To those who constantly engage in serving Me with love, I give them the intelligence to come to Me. So when we engage in devotional service, it's not that we automatically become intelligence. But no, by the grace of the God, because the Lord is pleased by our efforts, of making, of doing the devotional service, then He gives us the knowledge, He gives us the understanding by which we become Pandita. So in this purport, Srila Prabhupada has made, made many points, but the one main theme is the being the servant of the Supreme Lord. So how to become servants of Supreme Lord? We didn't come into this material world to become servants of Krishna. Right? We came here to become masters of our lives and we be- wanted to lord it over the material nature. Right? We wanted to become masters, we did not come in this material world to become servants. So then how to get this mentality of the servant? So it's like going against the flow of the river, right? We are wanting um, something else but then we realize that that is not the goal of human form of life. So then we need to engage in activities that will make us the servant. And why do we need to become the servants of the Lord? Because that is the eternal spiritual identity of the soul. That is the situation in which we can be most comfortable and we can be most blissful. Therefore, um, Prabhupada also quotes Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself from Chaitanya Charita Amrita, he says Chaitanya Mahaprabhu mentions Jivara Saruphoi Krishnera Nitya Das What is our original entity, our original spiritual identity is that we are the servants of the Supreme Lord. So on the same points, Srila Prabhupada has mentioned a few points in his purport. Um, He says that, um, how can we become servants and how can we be at the level of seeing everybody on the equal platform? That's only possible when we see the Supreme Lord as Paramatma in everybody's heart. Right. So, Śrīla Prabhupāda talks about this com- com- concept of ekatvam anupashyataha now ekatvam means oneness, anupashyata is to see the oneness. So, what kind of oneness is he talking about here? He, he clearly indicates he is not talking about the oneness of the Mayavadis where they say everybody is God, we are all Gods, right? He says that this oneness means that We see the same Paramatma or the Supersoul in everybody's heart. A Pandita sees the Paramatma in everybody's heart. That oneness he's talking about. And he also says that everybody, all the living entities, their uh, goal is to become servants of Krishna. So, we are same, there is oneness in terms of our goal of life. What is the goal of life? to become servants of the Lord. So that is another point he makes that this is how our oneness exists. And the third oneness he points out is that there is oneness between the Master and the Servant. Who is the Master? The Supreme Lord Krishna is the Master and we living entities are the Servants, but yet he says there is oneness. So what kind of oneness is he mentioning here? He says it is spiritual identity. The Supreme Lord is spiritual and the Jiva or the soul is also eternal and spiritual in nature. Both of them have Sachidananda. The Lord is Sachidananda and the living entity can also attain that position when he becomes completely free of materialistic tendencies. So in this way he makes three points of how the um, oneness is, um, the, is seen here amongst the Um, living entities. So, in the chapter 13 of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna also talks about um, spiritual vision. And in that spiritual vision he also mentions how one who is able to see the Supreme Lord in everybody's heart, he's able to understand that the soul is eternal, and he's able to then go beyond, transcend, the material designations is also a seer or, is, or has the spiritual vision. And in that chapter, he also mentions saintly qualities. He mentions 20 saintly qualities which can elevate us or they can help us to understand. So you see chapter 13 of Bhagavad Gita is the uh, jnana section of uh, Bhagavad Gita. So, that section is important because we need to understand how the jnana or the knowledge about the material world can help us to extricate ourselves from this material world, right? So, in this way, he has mentioned 20 very important qualities and he starts with Amanitvam. "Amanitvam, ahimsa So, what does he mean? Humility, pridelessness, right? Ahimsa, non-violence. So he starts with these qualities. And if you see in chapter 12 also, there are a list of qualities that Prabhupada mentions that these qualities that endear Krishna, they're very dear to Krishna, right? So similarly, further ahead, in um, I think chapter 15, there is another list of qualities, right? Nirma, Namoha, jitasang Sangha, Dosha. So in this way, you see how again and again Lord Krishna is talking about these qualities. So, although on one sense we say that when, for a devotee, a devotee develops all the qualities of demigods when he engages in devotional service. Yet, at the same time, uh, Krishna mentions that we need to cultivate these qualities, so Srila Prabhupada explains this point by telling us, um, he tells us a, a story. Śrīla right. Prabhupāda says that there was a marriage party, they were on one end and they were living on one side of the river and the bride was living on the other village which was on the other side of the river. So this marriage party had to cross the river, go on to the other side to um, get the marriage done. So this marriage party starts, gets into the boat, They are the bridegroom and his family members and relatives that get into the boat and it's still dark, early hours of the morning when the sun is not out yet. So they get into the boat and the boatman starts rowing. So they keep rowing, it's quite a f- bit of time has passed. And when there's a bit of twilight and see the, they see the light, they realize that they are where they were. So they're still on the where they was, had started, which means the boat hadn't moved even an inch. Then they realized that the ropes were still tied to the anchors. They didn't unhook the ropes. So Srila Prabhupada explains that this means that, what are these hooks that are holding us back? The anarthas, the dirty things in our heart. So which means that yes, as when we engage in devotional service, Nashta Praeshu Bhadreshu, it says that when we engage in devotional service, we read Srimad Bhagavatam. all that is troublesome to the heart, all the dirty things in the heart are purified, but yet at the same time we need to make a conscious effort as well to get rid of them we need to be reflective and see which bad habit is hindering our devotional service. Which bad habit or which weakness of ours is making, is making us weak in our sadhana. So we need to also consciously work on them. And out of all of these, the one that stands out in what Lord Krishna mentions in Bhagavad Gita in the, these three chapters specifically, he mentions a list there. So he, he, the one that comes out and stands out is humility. And not only in this, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also in his Shikshashtakam, he mentions more humble than a blade of grass and more tolerant than a tree. So humility and tolerance, he mentions there. And not only that, Mahaprabhu has mentioned them in his Shikshashtakam, or he says, or Lord Krishna mentions in in Bhagavad Gita, Mahaprabhu has himself demonstrated these qualities in his life. So chaitanya mahaprabhu when he when he took sanyas at that time he um, he was traveling to um, vrindavan on on his way he stayed in kashi for some time and there um, he came to know of um, prakashan and saraswati now prakashan and saraswati was an extremely intelligent and learned person but he was a mayavadi and he had 10000 disciples So in those days, Mayavad was prevalent everywhere in India. And especially Kashi was considered the hub of Mayavad philosophers. So, and then the followers of Mahaprabhu, they were hoping somehow if Mahaprabhu could meet with Prakashan and Saraswati and show mercy on him, because otherwise he was a learned man. He was a great person. So, um, and then they were also aware that Prakashan and the Saraswati was not very... um, positive about Mahaprabhu. He used to think that he's a sannyasi and he should be reading Vedanta, but what is this that he's chanting and dancing like a madman in the streets? And he's engaging others also that way. So Prakashananda saraswati was not very um, positive about his activities. He was not very appreciative of Mahaprabhu's um, Vaishnava ways. And he was also aware that other Vaishnavas, great Vaishnavas in um, in Nadia, they had also surrendered to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and great Mayavadis has already become devotees. So, in this way, but during that stay, they didn't get a chance to meet up. So, Mahaprabhu continued his journey and he went to Vrindavan. He stayed there for a while, and on the way back, he again came to Kashi. Now, again, his followers were hoping that somehow he would meet Prakashan and the Saraswati and, and um, enlighten him so an opportunity came where they were all called for a um, for a um, it's like Ishtagoshti, in those days they used to have conference of conferences of learned scholars who would get together and discuss um, religious philosophy re- discuss siddhanta so um, in this um, prakashan and the saraswati arrived with his 10000 disciples So how they would sit in such conferences, was that the most learned people would the most like the VIPs, we call them these days, like we have special chairs in in halls and auditoriums for them. So there they would sit in the center stage, they would sit on a bit of elevated platform. So the learned scholars would sit there. And then their juniors would sit around them. And then the general masses would sit and further ahead, some others will sit. So this is how and people generally followed this order that you didn't have to tell them like these days, you had to special say this so and so only is the VIP, and only they can sit on the front seats. That was not a, not the case. So people generally followed that etiquette themselves. So when prakashan and the Saraswati was sitting there with his disciples, then Mahaprabhu arrived with his followers. And Mahaprabhu, you know, in those days, they always had this area where everybody would wash their feet. So after washing the feet, Mahaprabhu did not proceed further to come and sit next to Prakashananda and the Saraswati. He just sat over there where the last category of people would sit. He sat there in the corner where they were washing the feet, just around that area. And Prakashan and the Saraswati could see him from the distance. And he saw how effulgent this sannyasi was, and he had such compassion on his face. So Prakashananda and the Saraswati was from there just very fascinated by by just by watching Mahaprabhu. And then when he saw that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, instead of coming and sitting next to him, he sat down there where there is this area where you wash your feet and he just sat down there. He felt even more, um, his, his heart opened even more. He felt even more nervous like he had won his heart. So, Prakashananda Saraswati himself walks up to Mahaprabhu and he says, My dear Mahaprabhu, why do you want to sit here? Can you please come and sit inside with me? So, there is actually a very beautiful picture that shows this where Mahaprabhu is sitting down there in that corner. And Prakashananda Saraswati is is trying to get him up, he shows his hands to ask him to get up from there and come inside. And Mahaprabhu says, I am perfectly fine over here. I would just prefer to sit here. But when when Prakashananda Saraswati insists more, then he finally agrees to honor his request. And then he goes and sits inside. So Prakashananda Saraswati and his followers are very impressed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then Mahaprabhu, he asks Mahaprabhu, Prakashananda Saraswati says, Mahaprabhu, you are are a sannyasi and you're such a learned scholar why do you chant this mantra on the streets? So, Mahaprabhu says, um, My dear Prabhu, I am, my Guru Maharaj asked me to chant this mantra. And that's why I chant this mantra. But uh, Prakashananda Saraswati wasn't satisfied. He further probably said, but you're a sannyasi. shouldn't you be reading Vedanta? You are so learned, you can read Vedanta. And he says, no, my, my Guru Maharaj has told me that I'm such a fool that It's better that I chant this Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, and he has said that this mantra will protect me from the um, influence of Kali Yuga, and it will liberate me from this material world also. So, in this way, when Mahaprabhu said this, he felt even more endeared by Mahaprabhu's humility, because he knew Mahaprabhu was a great learned scholar. So then slowly and slowly, he started questioning Mahaprabhu on um, Vedanta and the commentary of Shankaracharya on Vedanta Sutras. And they got into great discussions of how the commentary of um, Shankaracharya, what was not appropriate about it. And then slowly and slowly, in a very humble, submissive way, Mahaprabhu actually mentioned how Shankaracharya's commentary was not appropriate and what were the faults. So in this way, and then because he had already created this rapport with Prakashananda Saraswati and his followers, they immediately became um, um, agreeable agreeable to what he had said. And Prakashananda Saraswati was so um, impressed and influenced that immediately in his heart, he surrendered to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And even his followers admitted that yes, the Vaishnava way is is such a it's an enlivening way of bhakti of doing bhakti rather than the impersonalism. They all accepted the fact. So now Prakashananda Saraswati completely became surrendered to Mahaprabhu, and word spread around like Maha like a wildfire in Kashi that this great Mayavat philosopher, the leader who had ten thousand followers, he's now following Mahaprabhu, and. Prakashananda Sarasati would follow me everywhere in, 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 and would um, in, in endeavor to preach and, and completely follow Vaishnava ways of life. So in this way, he was known to, and he did not care what people were talking about him, that he has given up or he has surrendered to Mahaprabhu. He was completely satisfied with that he had surrendered to Mahaprabhu. So in this way, Mahaprabhu was also very impressed by his um, mood of service, mood of surrender. So then Mahaprabhu said that since you have now realized you have the Bodh, so now I will call you Prabodhananda Saraswati from today. So Mahaprabhu gives him the name Prabodhananda Saraswati from Prakashananda Saraswati. So in this way, this great Mayavad philosopher was won over, and so were all the thousands of um, Mayavad philosophers in, um, in, um, in Kashi. So you see how the events that occurred in this whole pastime show the humility of Mahaprabhu. If he wanted, he was also the leader of the Vaishnava community. He could have gone and sat down next to the Saraswati immediately, right? But what impact would that have had? Then the Saraswati would see him, oh, here comes my rival, who's a Vaishnava, and here I am, I'm an impersonalist so immediately that mood of competitive spirit would come in prakashan and saraswati's mind but because of his humble behavior what did mahaprabhu do he opened a bridge he opened a bridge of communi- communication of friendship which then made it easier for him to preach to uh, prakashan and the saraswati right so you see how mahaprabhu has not only given us these values but he has himself demonstrated by his example how we have to follow these values and so even to the level that he was being so humble in front of a mayavad philosopher. It's not like at the very first instance he wanted to smash his pillar of ignorance and, and give his principles of Vaishnavism. No, he didn't do that. He did it in a very kind and gentle way, respecting the position of the Saraswati in that conference, respecting his position in the society as he's being recognized as a great learned person. So he did it in a very gentle manner. and and. So, this is how Mahaprabhu preaches us humility, which comes again and again in Bhagavatam, and it comes again and again in Bhagavad Gita, and it comes in even Shikshashtakam prayers, Mahaprabhu teaches us this. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and then Lord Nityananda as well, he was attacked by Jagayan Madhai, and it was a fierce attack, and when he was hit by that pot, he, his head was bleeding, right? And it could have bleeded profusely, it, he could have even died. But, he did not, Lord Nityananda, he is none other than Lord Balaram. He could have raised his weapon or he could have killed these two jagayan and Madhai, these sinners, could have been killed by just by the glance of Lord Nityananda. But he didn't do that. And when the followers who they came in quickly informed Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then Mahaprabhu was enraged because Lord Nityananda is his life and soul, both of them, they love each other. And then when Mahaprabhu hears that, immediately He invokes His Chakra and He wants to kill Jagai and Madhai. But what does Nityananda say? He says, My dear Lord, Your Incarnation is not to kill, Your Incarnation is to kill their sinful mentality. So in this way, Lord Nityananda also showed great mercy and tolerance and He forgave. He forgave Jagai and Madhai. So and when Jagai and Madhai saw that they also had a change of heart, they were repentant of their actions and they completely fell at the feet of um, Lord Nityananda and in this way they were forgiven and they were given love of Godhead. Right? So you see in this way how our Acharyas and not just our Acharyas, the Supreme Lord Himself is showing us how to cultivate these qualities of forgiveness, tolerance, humility. Hmm? And then also, the pages of Srimad Bhagavatam are full of the devotees of the Lord who have actually demonstrated these qualities in the most extreme of situations, right? And when we talk of enemies and friends, then the most apparent um, enemy in inimical behavior that anybody showed was to the Pandavas. Now the Kauravas have attacked them again and again, have tried to harass them, torment them, even tried to kill them many times. And yet they did not go out of line, right? Because you see how we all feel that uh, Bhima, he's very, uh, he's an angry person. But did he ever cross his line? Did he ever do anything which was not dharma? Yes, he was angry, but he never disobeyed his older brother, Yudhishthira Maharaj. He always followed his instructions. Hmm? So when, they were in exile. Even then, um, uh, sorry, Dhritarashtra sorry, um was was lamenting. He was sad that, but he still couldn't. He still couldn't stop his sons from making wicked plans. More plans to hurt or harass the Pandavas. So when even in the, when they were in the twelfth year of exile, the last year, even then. They were making plans, Duryodhan, Shakuni and Karna, they were making plans how to harass them more, how to show off all the wealth and power and opulence that they had now which originally belonged to the Pandavas. So, and you know, they were, Pandavas at that time were residing in Dvaitavan, right? So it's a place where they um, had their own hut and they were living and they were, they saw it as an opportunity to meet the sages and the saints. So they took that opportunity and they were performing yagyas. And um, Duryodhan was enjoying the opulence and with his friends in the kingdom. So he's, he, he wants to show off and, and, and mock them because they were living like saints with hardly any belongings. He decides to go there to um, see what they're living like and then to put them down. When he, so he decides to go and he doesn't just go himself, he takes 30,000 elephants Ten thousand chariots and thousands of military soldiers go along, and along with the women of the palace, he takes everybody along with him to show off, right? So he takes all this. Imagine to meet those five Pandavas and Draupadi, who are living in completely um, simple conditions, austere conditions in the forest. Now, to further put, you know, put salt in the wounds. This is what he was trying to do. So somehow he persuaded Dhritarashtra because Dhritarashtra wasn't going to allow him and Dhritarashtra actually says that you will, you will annoy Draupadi in some way Duryodhan, and then she has the potency to burn you to ashes. So don't go there. But somehow they make an excuse that, oh, we have our cattle are in that area and they are being marked and they, you know, we need to be there just to supervise how it is being done. So some pretext of some work administration task they actually end up going to dwaita one where they are living and then there he actually um, is living there they build houses for shakuni for duryodhan for you know karna there they build houses in the forest very uh, opulent ones and then they start living there and then there is a lake in the in the forest and then he and they want to go and get waters the followers of um, duryodhan they want to get water of the lake but they don't realize that this lake is owned by chitra sen who is the king of the gandharvas so when they want to take water, the king of Gandharvas they say, "Oh, you can't take water from this lake. This belongs to us." But the but Duryodhan when he gets this message, he he rejects. He says, "Go and sends the army. Go defeat them." He he. Uh, underestimated them. oh, so some Gandharvas, what, what do they mean to me? He says, no Gandharva is more important than I am. So completely disregarding the territory of another individual, he wants to barge in there and use the water the way he likes. And in a very disrespectful manner which is was his, always his nature. So when he tries to do that, then um, he ends up getting into such a serious trouble because the gandharvas they are full their power they are very powerful and they can create so many illusions so within no time they finish the whole of duryodhan's army and even duryodhan and shakuni they are running hither and thither and then karna's left karna is quite powerful so he took a bit of time but in the end even he was defeated and he ran off escaped to save his life and then the gandharvas they capture duryodhan and they go up in the air, and he's caught in a net. He's up there, and then the, then the, some of the soldiers they cross the, to the other side, and they tell Maharaj Yudhishthir that this is what has happened. And Maharaj Yudhishthir, being the all always forgiving and the kind soul that he was, always following dharma, immediately says, "Oh, we have to we have to save our brother, and we have to save the honor save the honor of our family." so immediately he tells um, his brothers because he's at the at that time doing a yagya and he says i cannot come but the four of you go and you please defeat the gandharvas so um, and bhima immediately says oh he must have come here to ju- not just to um, tease us you know just to sh- put us down and to insult us that must have been his intention and this is what has happened so but uh, um, Yudhishthir Maharaj says, no, we still need to go and save them and protect them from the Gandharvas. So then, um, and he instructs Arjuna, Arjuna also says, okay, I will... The, the earth will see the blood of these Gandharvas if they do not release Duryodhan. You see, so how submissive they were to his older brother. <clears throat> so immediately Arjuna leaves with all with the younger brothers, and they go and it's there's a fierce battle that is fought between Gandharvas and Arjuna and his brothers because you see Gandharvas are very powerful and then they can create a lot of mystic illusions. So in this way the battle went on, but eventually Chitrasena felt this is you know he stops the battle and he says, look, Arjuna, we are friends. Why are we fighting? We don't need to fight. And he actually says that your father Indra, which is, we know that, you know, Arjuna was the son of given by Indra. So he says he knew that these korvas are coming here to further insult you, to make things worse for you, to trouble you. That's why he sent us. That's why we were here to protect you. But he says, since you want to, um, defend them and arjuna says yes there are kings folk there are relatives so we must do that so you please release him and anyway so duryodhan is released and duryodhan now what happens this is the extent to which duryodhan goes to trouble them even while they are in exile they are already next to nothing he has reduced them next to nothing and still he is there to trouble them right so this is the kind of enmity that he has towards the um, uh, the pandavas but yet you see when during the last day when the mahabharat battle is finished then at that time what does ashwatthama do he kills the five sleeping sons of draupadi right he kills those five sleeping sons and draupadi is devastated right she is in tears and she's crying for her sons because to lose one son just imagine to lose one son is already hard enough and then to lose five sons all at the same time while they were sleeping this was the most heinous act that any warrior could have done but ashrathama he was a son of a brahmana but because he you know he even degraded himself from that he became a kshatriya he had the desire for um, becoming you know having opulence and wealth and having, becoming a king of a province, so he would joined hands with Duryodhana. But you see, this was the most heinous act that he did, and yet, what was the response of Draupadi? She did not say, yes, kill him straight away. That was not his, her response. She said, if you kill him, then just like I am suffering, his mother too will suffer. Killing him is not going to bring back my sons. So you see, it's not that she was not attached to her sons, she was attached, she was crying, she was sad, but she was not revengeful, right? She was not revengeful, she was forgiving. So you see how these um, characters of Srimad Bhagavatam show us that um, these these, um, great qualities can be cultivated. And you see how dear Draupadi was to the Supreme Lord, another trouble that... um, um, Duryodhan wanted to to cause them was he sent durvasa muni to visit them mm-hmm. and durvasa muni has thousands of disciples so he knew that durvasa muni and his disciples would want to have prasad there and what do they have they barely have anything to eat how can they serve a feast but immediately draupadi's uh, thought of lord krishna and lord krishna was there the next moment right so why he does that to pandavas why is he always there with them because he has they have all these qualities you see Draupadi was such a great devotee of the Lord, he, 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 she, she, she thought of the Lord in the Sakya Bhav, hmm? just as all the Pandavas did. So they were great devotees of the Lord and they, they demonstrated these qualities again and again, isn't it? And then Arjuna, you know, even though he was asked to fight the battle, one might say, oh why, was, why didn't he forgive? He forgave all along and he even, in the battlefield of Kurukshetra, he was not willing to fight. Right? Not because he wanted to enjoy the opulence of kingdom, because he wanted to enjoy the fame and position, but because Krishna asked him to do it. The Supreme Lord instructed him to fight. And that's why he had agreed to fight. So in this way, these qualities that uh, Prahlad Maharaj talks about here, that one becomes a Pandita, by, become, by, because of His devotional service. How can we engage in devotional service and in good quality devotional service if we do not have these qualities? So, by, while doing devotional service, we also, at the same time, try to cultivate these qualities so that we can perform proper devotional service and we can get the mercy of the Supreme Lord. So, another point that Prabhupada mentions here is that there should not be any competition in one of the paragraphs he actually says that there should not be any competition in the disciples. It's not that um, uh, the, fo- the devotees they start competing with each other to um, serve the Lord. Everyone's service should be appreciated, and we should serve and um, encourage each other to do service. You know so um, During the time of Srila Prabhupada, there was this Radha Damodar bus party which was started by Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj. Now he had taken a lot of brahmacharis from different temples in the US and he had started this bus party and they were doing a lot of book distribution. And of course, Srila Prabhupada was pleased with that. But then the LA temple was also doing a lot of book distribution. So it came to a stage where they got into a tough competition with each other that who is going to do more books. But Prabhupada, when he saw that the mood was becoming a bit diluted, it was not so much with the devotional mood, but more towards trying to defeat each other, he said, better don't do books, sit in the temple and chant Hare Krishna, if you can't do it in a positive attitude. He clearly told them that, right? Giriraj Maharaj mentions this, that this is how he actually said, Transcendental competition, it's good to become inspired by those who are doing better than you. Not that you become envious of those who are doing better devotional service than you, right? Adveshta Sarabhuta Naam, the first quality he says, Lord Krishna says in chapter 12, he says, do not be envious of others, right? Of all the other living entities. So, In this way, Prabhupada also, during his time, he has also indicated how he said competition is good, healthy competition is good, to inspire each other is good, but not that you actually start um, becoming envious of each other and have negative feelings towards each other. That is not a a devotional mood. So I'll, I'll stop here and see if anybody has any questions, corrections. Yes,
2: Prabhupada Ji. Uh, thank you, Madhuri, for the class. Thank uh, you, Madhuri, for the class. So, you know, when Prabhupada is explaining in the purport and that you explained about how we shouldn't have the revengeful mentality, Mm -hmm. Um, and the the devotees are never revengeful. But if something bad happens to us because of someone, um, you know, whatever, the person said something hateful or something negative, the natural inclination is to give back. Mm -hmm. And it can be very well justified to say that, you know, you don't want to look like a weak person who can't respond, you know, you, you, you want to give tit for the tat, you know, so so there is all these reasons why you would want to give back, and it's just so natural and spontaneous. So at what, so how do we, how do we change that mentality uh, mm-hmm. of of giving back that instantly?
1: Yes, Guruji, I know it's hard because that's we are all conditioned living beings and it is said that in this um, in this in kali yuga we are all actually born under mode of passion and from here we can only degrade to mode of ignorance so when we are in mode of passion then the natural inclination is selfishness right we think of self the body the, as us and then any insult that comes or any harm that is done we take it upon ourselves this is done to me right so um <coughs> It depends, we have to um, be careful and um, it's situation specific sometimes because if somebody is trying to um, put you down on an ongoing basis and that is impacting your consciousness and it is lowering your confidence, then yes, you need to create a healthy distance to make sure that you're not um, influenced by it because it's going to have a negative impact on your psyche and you don't want that. Right? But if it is something that um, during the interactions with, with the devotees, it's happened and sometimes, you, even though you're very conscious not to um, create any aparads, not to uh, say anything, but sometimes misunderstandings will happen. You know, in Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada mentions in one of the purports that um, life is going to be very difficult for devotees in this world, so we must learn to tolerate. And let go, right? So we have to um, take shelter of, propad's books. I feel that the more we read about the past times, like we we read about today about, um, you know, propad's purport and Prahlad maharaj. I hope Prahlad maharaj will bless us with that pure bhakti that he has towards the lord. And um, if you glorify him, and return we pray to him that you please bless us with the devotional service that you had. The, and he was preaching boldly his father became his worst enemy that even wanted to kill Prahlad. But he did not have that same mood towards him isn't it? So and you see also Sheila Prabhupada when um, you know he was working on the Juhu Temple how his uh, um, you know Mr. N was being so nasty, trying to be so manipulative, trying to manipulate and trying to even pollute one of the sannyasis and do so many things. But Prabhupada wasn't retaliating, although at the same time he was defending and protecting himself without becoming offensive to the other party, isn't it? Till it became so extreme that they were physically hurting the devotees and they were, you know, how they had sent in the end the bulldozer to break everything down and the ladies were pulled by their hair and they were being thrown out. When it became that bad, then they had to take some help. But up until that point, he was actually, he was careful. You, so he, he, what he teaches us by example is we are, we need to um, protect ourselves without being um, insulting or retaliating in a bad way to the other person. You see, because eventually that person will realize the Lord residing as Paramatma in his heart has um, will inspire him, right? Like uh, Prabhupada says that uh, you know, it's don't become disturbed by someone who is becoming the the via media, the channel for your purification. Maybe the Lord is using somebody to purify us. Right. So to that extent also, we if that helps us to become uh, tolerant, to let go a lot of things. But then at the same time, um, it's like I said, it's situation specific. You have to be uh, very careful about how you're dealing because the, as devotees, we don't want to at the same time, um, uh, we don't want to have bad relations with other devotees. But if we are having interactions with people outside, then we should not be so naive that you let them manipulate you or exploit you. Right? So we should not be naive when it comes to dealing with the outside world because they can be very manipulative they can be trying to, you know, because devotees are very kind and they're very giving and loving so they can sometimes try to use devotees to serve their own ulterior motives, material motives. Yeah, I I wasn't sure how which, in what specific situation you've asked that question, so I've just given a a generic answer but I'm not sure if it's answered or made clear your... Yeah? Okay, thank you. Yes, Prabhuji.
3: Hare Krishna Madhavaji Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna thank you very much for a nice class Hare Krishna. I just wanted to know the reference mm-hmm. you mentioned that prakashan saraswati was named as prabodhanam saraswati mm-hmm. so what is the reference you are talking about
1: pretty i read this um, article in iskon Tree on prakashan and the saraswati there it was mentioned that he was, he named,
3: was named… as Prabodhananda Saraswati.
1: Prabodhananda Saraswati,
3: yes. He is a different personality altogether. Prabodhananda Saraswati is a personal personality, completely different. Is so,
4: it?
0: Yeah,
3: I'm just surprised.
0: Uh,
3: you know, I, I was just checking, I also found something in that line, but we don't know how authentic that reference, of course, uh, both are different personalities. Mm-hmm. That is, Prabodhanta Saraswati is the brother of Venkatapata, mm-hmm. Gopalavata Goswami's uncle, and uh, Prakashananda Saraswati is the Mayavadi. Mm-hmm. Then there is some kind of weird reference about his name as Prabodhanta Saraswati, later mm-hmm. given by Lord Chaitanya, but uh, not really substantiated. Oh, so, okay. probably. Yeah, we may have to look for a proper reference for okay. that name change and we shouldn't confuse between Prabhatanatha Saraswati, who is the Acharya so, who lived in Vrindavan. Yeah,
1: he's, and he's the one who wrote um, Vrindavan Mahimamrita, isn't it? Yes,
3: Vrindavan Mahimamrita, yeah, yes. Saraswati. that is the Gupal. uncle of Gopal Bhattakusa. Gopal
1: Bhattakusa, yes, he is yeah. the one who wrote. And
3: Pagasandha saraswati Thakur. Uh we don't know exactly oh, okay. what is, uh, you know, his. Uh, there's no clear reference of him being named as okay. Prabhupada Sarasadhi, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, very Okay. Maybe in the future you. if you get some reference, proper reference will be. Yes, right. yeah, yeah I you. think
1: you can. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the clarification Prabhupada, okay. Anything else? Okay. Grantharaj Shrimal Bhagavatam ki, Srila Prabhupada ki, Jainitai Primalandi.